thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, week four, quarter of the way through the fantasy season positional rankings breakdown. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, easy ways to do so. And yes, I said ways with a Z, because there's multiple. Number one, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me where you would rank Josh Jacobs amongst all running backs for the rest of the season in PPR scoring. I'm very curious to find that out. And I'll ask my guest about that in just a little bit. The second way to do so, you can leave a five-star audio review after you subscribe and download to the Pat Mayo Experience. Leave your DraftKings handle with that five-star review and just say something nice about the show. Boom, you're in the draw for 20 DK bucks, as you will be if you follow me on Instagram at the PME Heart one of the football or golf-related photos that pops up on my feed and just leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Those are the three ways you can get into the draw for 20 DK bucks. Winners announced live Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time every single Monday with our recap and waiver wire look ahead for the week. So yeah, definitely go do that. Also playing the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. It's only Tuesday and it's already one fourth of the way full because people are finding out it is the best tournament on DraftKings. You can find the link in the description or comment section of this video or podcast. $15 to enter, three max entry, and the best part, no rake. Hence why it is the best tournament on DraftKings. Over $60,000 guaranteed. Let's bring him in from theathletic.com. He does rankings. He does waiver wire. All things football. And as I saw on Fantasy Pros when they tweeted it out, one of the top ten, potentially top five, most accurate rankers so far in the fantasy industry. It is Jake Seeley. What's up, man? Yeah, so far through three weeks, it's actually number one. Oh, number one. I'm <laughs> yeah, last. Number one, so. I, I'm, I'm, D, I'm DNP. <laughs> you're, you're Mark Ingram? Yeah. I, I'm in worst place. Jared Cook moment. The Jared Cook, Mark Ingram of ranking fantasy. Uh, also, on the flip side, uh, we got to say she's sleeping and tired, but there's Barkley in depression after what happened this past week. I really enjoy that you have the same sort of like app on your phone that I have for my baby that you have for your dog. <laughs> It's so I could just make sure she's still in the middle of not being totally able to control her potty. So I just got to make sure she's not going ballistic in the cage because she'll whine while she's in the cage. But if she's going crazy, that probably means she needs to go to the bathroom. Probably a good thing we don't do the show live then because there might be like a 10 minute interval halfway through between like receivers and quarterbacks. People will never know. Yeah, people will never know that the dog is peeing all over upstairs. But I want to talk to you about waiver wire pretty quickly because I lost Berkeley in the one league that I actually care about. Uh, he was my first overall pick. It's my home keeper league. I play with my friends and I want to win Jake, but I don't want to spend all my fab bucks on Gallman because if I spend all my fab bucks on Wayne Gallman, like tonight, like shockingly Jay Ajayi will sign with the Giants tomorrow and he'll be the starting running back. Like I know he's not good. But at this present time, he does appear to be the one who's going to play like 70% of the giant snaps. And having Daniel Jones under center will theoretically open up some running lanes for him. I'm not entirely sure he can capitalize on that, but he's going to be on the field. I desperately need a running back. How much of my fab should I burn on this guy? The majority of it. The, the, oh. the truth is, it's like, uh, the, well, here's the fact. There's a couple factors that go into it. Do you need a running back? In your case, you do. And I'm saying this for everybody out there. And, you know, if you don't need it, you, somebody asked in the waiver column, it's like, I have depth. Should I blow the number one spot? That's different. You still blow the number one spot anyway, because these opportunities rarely come around. The truth is, though, 
if you're at a position where you had Barkley and your second running back's like a James White and your third running back is like a Latavius Murray, you got to go almost all in. And I know the downside is what you said. If they sign somebody of significance, now if they just bring in Orleans Darkwa and just use him as the backup who's been there before because he tweeted out, hey, I'm waiting. Here's that little gift from a community. But the truth is, is like, it's going to be Gallman unless it's Ajayi. And let's be faced the truth about Ajayi is he had plenty of opportunities to be signed in a lot of places this offseason. There's a lot of doubt of whether or not he's 100%. You have to look at it like last year. Damian Williams, Daryl Williams with the Kansas City Chiefs situation. You go in on Damian, you take the flyer on Daryl too. The people who took Daryl were wrong. The people who took Damian were right. The situation here is a little bit different because we don't have a Daryl yet. We don't have somebody signed yet. But that's the risk you go into it. But the truth is, with Gallman, he should be at least an RB2. He tries to do a little too much. He tries to be like Saquon Barkley, and he's not Saquon Barkley. But if you have an RB2 on your hands for at least six weeks, probably maybe even eight, you have to go nearly all in. Yeah, that's unfortunate for me because I don't know if I want to. Here's the issue. If I spend like 50 of my fab bucks and it does turn into a waste, then I lose out on the next potential guy up in this situation. And then I'm just completely screwed until Barkley comes back. I have Carson and Jacobs, but apparently that's not turning out so well so far. No, but the truth, I, I, I hate to keep saying the truth is, but the truth is here, the situation wise is what if that next scenario doesn't pop up till week nine? Yeah. Like, these things don't always happen. I mean, sometimes they happen in succession. We've seen it go like two in a row one week, and the very next week something else goes down. We saw, look, Jamal Charles a few years ago went down in week two. Like, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to when it's going to happen. If you do that and you wait and you say, all right, let me just wait for the next best-case scenario, maybe Tony Pollard sitting out there and Zeke Elliott goes down next week, that would be great. That would be better. Uh, obviously not for Ezekiel yet, but you can't wait and hope that happens. If this is, you know, it's right in our faces right now. The truth, I will say this, let's compare him to somebody else value wise. Now he's not the same running back, but I just want to say, that's why I emphasize value wise. If you knew right now, Frank Gore was going to be out there with no Devin Singletary for the rest of the year, what would you do? You would probably consider him a top 20, 25 running back, go pretty heavy on him. If you need a running back help, that's how I would treat Goldman. Yeah, I actually would probably prefer Frank Gore in that scenario, to tell you the truth. That's fair, because you don't have the risk of somebody else getting signed, and you don't have the uncertainty of not knowing what's... Like, with Gore, we know the usage. With Gallman, we're assuming the usage, and we're assuming it right now with nobody being signed, because Penny is essentially a fullback. But Daniel Jones under center, this is an offense that has Golden Tate coming back. It could be the poor man's version of the Chiefs, where they just pass a hell of a lot and barely run the ball. Yeah, and actually, if they started passing to the running back, I would actually probably prefer that. Get them out into some space and just pile up those greasy PPR points, and I would be absolutely <laughs> fine with that. Let's get into the rankings for this week, though, starting at running back. Uh, number. Actually, we'll go through the injuries first. I have LaShawn McCoy ranked as if he's going to play. I have Damian Williams ranked as if he's going to play, and I have Ido Smith ranked as if he is going to play with his concussion. I do not have Rashad Penny or Devin Singletary ranked. Both dealing with hamstring problems tend to be two-week issues or even a little bit more in case they don't get rushed back, and obviously Saquon Barkley not playing Jets and 49ers on a bye week. The rankings are a living, breathing column, Jake. They will be updated when the injuries come around, so if Rashad Penny no! is expected I need to set my light up now. Tuesday (laughs) afternoon, get everything in right away. That's how you have to play this. But yeah, like if Damian Williams is going to be out, it's going to affect Darrell Williams. It's going to affect LaShawn McCoy. It's going to affect everything. So once we get more news, that's just the way that I have it set for the purposes of this discussion. So number one in the rankings, Christian McCaffrey. Number two, Zeke, uh, David Johnson. Number three, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara.
as the top five. Delvin Cook in a bad matchup, but you know what? We're still going to play Delvin Cook because he's been excellent. Why Nick, do you hate Delvin Cook, Pat? Nick Chubb, James <laughs> Conner, Marlon Mack. Fantasy Pros has ranked Mark Ingram at number 10 this week. Derrick Henry, Carrion Johnson, Carlos Hyde, James White, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Philip Lindsay, Frank Gore, and Chris Carson. That's my top 20. And obviously Car- Carson would be impacted more if the return of Rashad Penny actually happens. But currently he is not in the rankings and I still don't really feel good about it. The guy that I think you'll have the biggest problem with is probably James White at number 14. But there are two factors behind this. It's not like he missed last week with an injury. He just missed the game to be in the delivery room for his bebe. I empathize with that. But now he's getting the Bills, and the Bills are going to come with extreme pass rush. They don't even need to blitz. They can get through this, like, sieved New England Patriots offensive line that is completely banged up. So I would expect to see more James White on the field than either Sony Michelle or Rex Burkhead. And the biggest factor here, Jake, he's playing with baby swag. <laughs> the baby swag. If only that could have happened before last game. Look, I don't have that much problem with James White. I mean, maybe a little bit high, but... We were going to nitpick between the guys behind him. Leonard Fournette, I feel better about, honestly, just because he's getting the workload, although it's a very uninspiring performance. It's like, this is what we knew about Leonard Fournette, is that, hey, he's going to get 20, 25 touches every single week, but they're just going to be rather inefficient. It's kind of the inverse of Aaron Jones, where he barely gets touches and he's very efficient with them. So with Leonard Fournette, I'd probably trust him a little bit more. Again, nitpicking kind of out of your rankings. Actually, the one is the one you hate to rank, I think people are too reactionary over Mark Ingram because the Cleveland Browns run defense, the entire team hasn't looked that good, but the run defense has been decent. I mean, they had a mediocre performance against Henry, but the following two weeks, and I know Le'Veon Bell had a situation where you have the injury to Sam Darnold or the mono to Sam Darnold, but that how many touches he got and they were able to limit him. And then they limited Todd Gurley last week, which Todd Gurley still, as of this point, is healthy. He's not the Todd Gurley we knew because he's not getting the passing game work. But he's still getting the running work, and the running work until last week had been pretty good. So you look at his performance so far, and the Browns' run defense isn't that much of a walkover that I'm – I think that's too high for Mark Ingram. Well, you take it up with Fantasy Pros and the consensus <laughs> rank, Jake. I mean, this is why you're number one. You rank Ingram lower than the consensus, and all of a sudden you're just going to be – I mean, I would have him in last place. I do have him in last place in my rankings, but that's just the way it's going. I believe he's the number one – is he the number one scoring running back so far? If he's not number one, I think he's number one or number two. I could check real quick for you. He yeah, is I, – I, no, he's not even – because Dalvin Cook's number one. He's behind right. Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. He's number four. Okay, so this is – I am number four. I, I am – what is that from? That movie. What? I am number four. That was the name of the movie. It was well, just I, one of those teeny sci-fi offbeat movies. You never saw that? Is this one of your, like, youth adventure novels, Jake? <laughs> it's probably one of those movies that was based on one of those books young adventure novels with jake seeley that could be your new podcast your spinoff podcast you can review (laughs) twilight and glory i never saw twilight i i did see i am number four though (laughs) was it good quick review how many stars uh four it's what you would expect four out of five or four out of four no out of ten oh uh, usually we do the star rankings out of four, but you know, I'll, I'll let you pass. I don't know. Oh, you're doing, oh, you're doing I, like movie stars. Okay. Then like 2.5, two and a half stars out of four. See, I, I didn't know if there was like that a moved difference. up. I guess that's technically a 5.5. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if there's like any difference between like how you rate teen novels versus or teen movies versus regular movies. I don't know this world, Jake. That is your realm. Not mine. <laughs> don't um, put it on me. Uh, Derek, 
what do we do with carry on Johnson? Because he's getting all the workload now because CJ Anderson's gone. CJ Anderson's actually in Houston today. I know, that. right? I, I really thought that would have been like a logical spot for him to land with the Giants, but the Giants haven't brought him in, which is, and I don't know why the Texans are bringing him. I get Carlos Hyde sucks, but why? So, so we want to duplicate Carlos Hyde? We have two of them? That's better? Like, is that what they're doing? I don't know. I'm, I'm as confused as you are. I, I don't, I'm not that surprised that the Giants haven't brought him in because CJ Anderson, CJ Anderson, I actually don't think he fits. And that's why I think some of the options like Orleans Darkwell to go back to that. Orleans Darkwell is more of a straight line runner. I think that you need somebody more like Barkley to fit the offense of what you lost because the offense isn't going to change that much, especially now with Daniel Jones in the short passing game. That's a sidebar. That's a, that's if, if they do sign somebody like C.J. Anderson, maybe he doesn't sign there and then he comes back around, I would feel better about Wayne Gallman if they sign somebody who's kind of just a plotter or a straight-line runner because I don't think he's going to be involved as much if that's the scenario. So all that being said, uh, with on Johnson, I think you just got to continually roll him out as an RB2. And not to say I told you so, but this is the concern that I had with on Johnson and Aaron Jones both is that – Arian Jones and Carrion Johnson both were concerned of their workload going into the season. Well, Carrion's cleared up a little bit because, as you said, they got rid of C.J. Anderson, but it's still the Lions. Like, Aaron Jones, I'd rather get 15 touches from him than 15 touches from Carrion Johnson because of the teams they play for. And we, you bring it up all the time. It's the pace of play. Now, he got the carries, but he didn't look that great in it because I think that's also somewhat of how they use him is that they don't get him in space enough. So I, I think I feel right now, as of today, slightly better about Carrion because at least he got the 20 carries. But I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel great about either one of them. Uh, Aaron Jones at number 17 played 39% of the snaps in week three. Jamal Williams played 61%. You might say, hey, Pat, why do you have Aaron Jones over Jamal Williams? But I'll tell you why, Jake, because he is better than Jamal Williams, even as a fantasy player. Seeing the field less, he's still a better fantasy player. So I do think that there is still a fantasy divide, even if the usage isn't going to swing towards Aaron Jones. And maybe that's a one-week blip. Maybe it completely does the inverse next week, and all of a sudden Aaron Jones, he doesn't need that many more touches, but... I mean, it's a Thursday night game as well, so you can get some Thursday mo on the go if he scores two touchdowns or even a touchdown. The, The problem is... Philadelphia is so banged up in the secondary at this point that they might not even have to run. <laughs> no, they probably don't have to, but I was going to say that's the one thing. That's another reason I would actually take Aaron Jones after Jamal, over Jamal Williams this week specifically, even if we knew that the snap count was going to be exactly what it was last week, is because you don't run on the Eagles. You just don't. If you're going to do anything, you try to hopefully get your running back in space, and if you're passing, it's going to be Aaron Jones. It's not going to be Jamal Williams. This is true. So Lindsey and Freeman are playing about, you know, equal snaps at this point, but Lindsey just looks like the better back and he'll be more used in the passing game. Not say that Freeman isn't used, but Freeman will be more, uh, Lindsey will be more used in that fact. And, you know, they're, you're going to have to luck into one of them getting the proper goal line carry that gets them in because they both touch the ball when they get down there. We talked about Fournette. Frank Gore is just Frank Gore. As long as Devin Singletary is out, he's going to see his, like, 18 touches a game, and that's pretty valuable at, at this point of the season because now we're into bye weeks and injuries. Uh, then Chris Carson. I have him at number 20, and that's without Rashad Penny playing. I could rank him as high as seven, but then he'd go fumble <laughs> on the second snap and then, like, see the bench for three and a half quarters then come back on. Like, I want to believe. I'm like Fox Mulder. I want to believe <laughs> here, Jake. But... I have to believe because I have them on like every single team, but I'm starting to get worried. Here's the good news is that even so, ProSize did nothing. Uh, ProSize, I think, what do you have, four or five carries? And it was like five or six yards. There's like one more yard per whatever the carries were. 
and he just wasn't that effective. He's not a runner. That's you know, you use him as kind of that theoretic role, and that's what he can really be. That's I think that drew that comparison when he came out of college, but I thought he could be a little bit more than that. Obviously, he hasn't turned into a little bit more than that at all. So I'm not that concerned. I understand the fumbles are concerning that he comes off the field, but I think you have to roll that dice going against the Cardinals. I mean, really. How do you not start him? Even if you rank him down here at 20, you're starting him unless Rashad Penny all of a sudden is practicing Thursday and Friday. So let's say Rashad Penny does play. What does that do to Penny in the rankings? And what do you think that does to Carson? I would up, I would probably start Penny in front of Carson, but they would they wouldn't be far apart. It would be kind of like last week of like the Daryl Williams and LaShawn McCoy or Damian Williams if he's out there this week and LaShawn McCoy that they'll both be in that just on the cusp of being RB2s, probably low end RB2s. And if you want to start one over the other, I, like I, we're not going to know, unfortunately. Like this, everything right here with what Pete Carroll, as much as we see Shanahan lie to us all the time and give us a headache all the time, Pete Carroll always tells it like it is. And the one thing that he always tells it like it is is he wanted to roll for both of them this year, and it started out that way, but Penny got hurt again. Penny has his own flaws that he still hasn't been able to overcome, so he got frustrated with him and turned to Carson and said, "We want to give Carson more work." Carson got more work. But then he's fumbling and, you know, he's Pete Carroll's not going to put up with it. So everything I'm saying all that to say we would assume that means more work from Penny right out of the gate this week. But we won't know unless Pete Carroll actually tells us until the game comes out and plays and it actually happens. So I would put Penny slightly in front of Carson, but I'm not going to say that's a guarantee. They would both be like somewhere between 25 and 30 in the running back rankings. then. Maybe even a little bit higher, but you'd be just because they're facing the Cardinals. But yeah. Yeah, well, the Cardinals do like to load up and stacking the box. They're very ineffective at actually stopping. They can't the, stop they, they can't stop anyone, but you know they do actively try to stop the run. <laughs> right, we'll see what ended up happening there. 21 in the rankings. That's where Wayne Gallman comes in for me this week. He's followed by Devonta Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Adrian Peterson, yeah. Damian Williams, Kenyon Drake, and Royce Freeman. That's the 21 through 30. Is that properly ranked Gurley and Gallman. Like, I don't I don't like this matchup against Tampa Bay at all for Gurley. They've been really good against the run and stopping running backs. They weren't good at stopping Daniel Jones once he started to run, but against running backs specifically, Tampa Bay has been absolutely lights out against the position. No, so, and they were eliminating Barkley before he even left the game. So that's a concern. Uh, Todd Gurley's basically, I said this on the podcast over the athletic with Chris and Brad, I said he's essentially turned into Derrick Henry. Like he's not catching the ball anymore. If he does, you kind of hope he turns it into one of those 40 or 50 yard big plays. And to be honest, between the two of them, I think Henry has a bigger chance of getting them these days because Todd Gurley looks fine. He does. He looks fine right now, but he looks fine of what is Todd Gurley at this point. He's not the Todd Gurley we used to know, and he's definitely not Todd Gurley we used to know in the passing game. So I say going forward, he's in that RB2 conversation because without a touchdown, he's not going to be an RB1. I don't know if you heard, but the one I sighed at is I, I can't put David Montgomery that high after the usage in last night's game. That was he only got run because the game was out of hand at that point. And I don't think this week's game is going to be out of hand. David Montgomery, he was losing carries to Cordell Patterson in the eye. It was Cordell Patterson lined up behind a fullback. Like, what the hell is going on in Chicago? Yeah, I don't really know what's going on in Chicago. He's the one guy I would play out of those guys. So I guess that's something. But then just look at the guys behind him. Peterson, Damian Williams, who was banged up, and we don't even know if he's going to play. Kenyon Drake and Royce Freeman. Like I would play Freeman, and I would play Chris Thompson against the Giants. That feels like a game where they're going to be able to run the ball. 
Uh, I don't know. If the Giants are putting points up on the board, which they oh, should be able to. Let, let's calm down on, I know you're a Giants guy. I, oh, me, no, 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 no. Don't. No, you, you're, don't, ba- don't you're, sk- you're back in. You're back in on the Giants. I know you are. No, because that was the first thing I said in the podcast. It actually even said it on the one for with D'Angelo Williams coming out tomorrow. The first thing I said is, I can't believe the industry as in TV industry, because it's not so much the fancy people, but like the ESPNs and the NFL networks of the world all being like, oh, it's not an overreaction to say we were wrong on Daniel Jones. You faced the Buccaneers pass defense. He had a decent game. He had a dropped interception. He made some stupid throws. He had a fine game. Was it better than you would hope for a rookie in his first start? Sure. Is it all of a sudden Daniel Jones is going to be a superstar? Absolutely the freaking hell not. Let's chill out a little bit. Yeah, uh, they're now favored by two and a half points against the Skins this week. That also seems like a giant overreaction in the odds market as well. Like, I see what you did there. Yeah, Washington's bad, but they're not like bad. They're not as bad as they looked in the first like twenty half last night. Four, yeah, twenty four <laughs> minutes of that game on Monday night. Yeah, it's just, it look and it's division game, and the Giants who looked miserable through the first two weeks, and they still barely got past the Buccaneers anyway, if not for band kickers. Yeah. Yeah, or ban Bruce Arians, one of the two. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So I actually had a very tough time. Maybe I'll work those around. I have to talk to Cust on this one. He is uh, the AP whisper. He has now correctly predicted both Adrian Peterson weeks. It's will Adrian Peterson score a touchdown or not score a touchdown? He said yes the first week, no the second week. And so far, so good. He did it all yes, the way. against the Giants. And if that's the case, then I'm I'm playing him over Chris Thompson in this sense. So I still would, but I would still play also Chris Thompson over David Montgomery. I like, I don't, I don't think that there's a, I, I do think both of them can be successful against the giants. Hmm. Montgomery's just tough. He did end up playing like 67% of the snaps. It just only you, because you, he had like a hundred percent of them in the fourth quarter. Sure. But that, at least we know that they're you putting him in the game at the end, if that's going to be the case. And I'm not completely, but they're sold. not doing that against the Vikings. I don't know if the Vikings are any good. <laughs> I know I know their defense is solid enough to not be behind by 20 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but Kirk Cousins can do that to him just very, very quickly if he wants to. If Kirk Cousins is asked to throw more than like 15 times in a game, it really well, feels apparently like he's not this year. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They're going to they're every time. How many times? Did he, how many pass attempts did he have last week? I'm curious. I can't uh, imagine it was more than 20. I'll, I'll look for you real quick. I'll, it was against the Raiders, so, and they were up early. So at 21, he was 15 to 21. Okay, so I will say that any time that Kirk Cousins has to throw more than 22 passes in a game, the Vikings probably lose. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. Has he had more than 22 this year? Hold on, let's, let's find out. Well, week, he two, has... week two, they lost to Green Bay. He must have thrown yeah, and he like threw 30... 32 times. Yeah. He's just... 14 to 32. He threw 8 to 10 in the first week. He has been abysmal this year. Like, he's bad. Cust was right, and I don't like saying that often. Uh, Look, the the truth about it is that Kirk Cousins, I don't know if he's this bad, if it's just I don't don't think he's a good fit for this offense. I think if – look, I'm not going to say I'm smarter than an NFL coaching offense. I'm never going to – Say it, say it. I just if you knew this was going to be your coaching brought in, why did you also sign Kirk Cousins? Because he doesn't fit this scheme. This isn't who Kirk Cousins is. And that's why we're seeing this. Kirk Cousins needs to be working with a lot of digs type who he's not even using right now. It's all going to Thielen because Thielen's in that role. He works well with like the Jameson Crowders and the Adam Thielen's and digs if he's not outside and just the quick hits over the middles, because if you give him too much time, you know what Kirk Cousins does? He overlooks the guy who's open and then throws it to the guy 10 yards downfield who's triple covered. You don't want to give Kirk Cousins time. You want quick reads, get it at his hand, 
and just get him into a flow. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I have at number 24 here. I'm worried about the, I, I'm worried about the injuries, to be perfectly honest. It seems like that's why he was scaled back a little bit. It was that or game flow situations. Gruden said this week they want to get him more involved in the passing game, and I really hope that, that that's the case because they'll probably be down at Indianapolis here, so I don't need to see Rocket Richard on the field the entire time <laughs> no, so- getting all those greasy passes. But the only thing I know about Jacobs, and this is why I think that he's a nice buy low, is that he's going to get healthier as the season goes along. He'll get more acclimated to the NFL, but when you look at carries, and they're not there all that often, but inside the red zone, he's the only guy who sees the field for the Raiders. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the factors I was going to bring up is inside the red zone work. And the other point I was going to bring up is to you, I think he's healthy now. Last week we had the word of he was on IV. He was losing weight because he was sick and everything on top of it. It was going on last week. And then he goes into that game with that concern, gets healthy enough, and still had 10 routes run. Like Richard had 19. That's still you know, two thirds to one third for the total of the two combined. So you look at that and you say, you know what, even with him being not a hundred percent heading into that game to still get 10 to 19 for Richard shows that he's going to be used. We would like to see it more like a 50, 50, even he take the control of having more than Richard, but at worst case scenario, like you, that's it's still 10. And I still think that a hundred percent healthy, Jacobs is going to see 20 touches. Okay, would you play? So I'll move him up in the rankings. I don't, I don't need to be prodded to move up Josh Jacobs <laughs> in my rankings. So Josh Jacobs or Chris Carson this week? If Rashad Penny is out, Carson, if not, if Rashad Penny is playing, then I would go Josh Jacobs. Todd Gurley or Josh Jacobs. And Indy does have the third worst run defense per DVOA so far this season. Yeah, I actually I would lean Josh Jacobs just because, hey, look, he ran 10 routes. Todd Gurley's not running like two or three a game. All right, Josh Jacobs moving up in the rankings to number 21, one spot behind Chris Carson with no penny, one spot ahead of Todd Gurley in this situation. Uh, I still do think that Richard might have some standalone value. Just one more thing on that Peterson-Thompson point is if the spread is going to be less than three, at least on paper, you would think that game flow-wise is going to be a closer game. And it's very evident that they want to use Adrian Peterson over and over and over and over again, that unless they fall way behind and have to pass, then we're going to see Chris Thompson on the field the entire time. But in this sort of situation, I think this game's close. So Peterson might end up with like 20 carries and that's good enough. Maybe he can get 50 (laughs) yards on 20 carries, maybe a touchdown. It's certainly fair, but this actually could be a a, a game. Again, what I'm pointing to here is that this could be 20 some odd high twenties for both somebody in the low thirties. And all that being said is I'm agreeing with you in the fact that Peterson is the one I would play over Chris Thompson, but I would still play Chris Thompson is all I'm saying. Okay. I mean, I actually kind of like what Kenyon Drake was up to against the Cowboys last week. And just, he was seeing the field a ton until he actually fumbled in the red. No, as soon as we get sucked in, that's when they stop using them. It doesn't matter what the coaching. I have have him at number 29. Like if you're, if you're desperate, like I am, uh, you might have to use Kenyon Drake. It it wouldn't be the worst play in the world. (laughs) I would use Royce Freeman before I use Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I can probably get behind that. I'll use Royce Freeman. What do you make of Damian Williams? If he's like active, like he's he's getting his job back, right? I, but I don't think it's the job that we used to know with Andy. Like this is what we talk about a lot of times throughout the off season. He said, you know, coaches have tendencies, but that doesn't mean they hundred percent stick to them. A perfect example would be Doug Peterson. You know, Doug Peterson, as we just saw in that game, a third for each of the running backs. Well, if Miles Sanders was playing out of his mind, not fumbling and not having some struggles in space, as you mentioned last week is that he can't turn the edge. Sometimes if he was playing like, like Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, he was playing to that level. I don't think Doug Peterson is gonna be like, Nope. 
got to use all three running backs, a ton of each. Like the coaches will change. They will adapt. And right now, Andy Reid doesn't have that guy that's, hey, you know what? I'm going to use somebody 70% of the time. I think with LaShawn McCoy, if he's also healthy, is going to stay in the mix. But Damian Williams will be the pass catching option in what will probably be like a 50 50 ish ish split because I'll probably get a little bit of a mix of Daryl Williams in there. So you say that to your point, it's PPR rankings and you say it's the Chiefs offense. I don't, I don't want the one not in the passing game, and that's why I would want Damian Williams. Do you have to pick up – is it Daryl or Darrell? I think it's Daryl. I thought it was Daryl too, but then I got corrected on Monday's show that it's Darrell. Now I don't know what to think. Either way. If it's if it's Darrell, like the, so I would love to find out because the way I found out about a Tariq Cohen when he came out of college is I found a clip of his mom saying his name, and I was like, all right, all these people saying Tarek Cohen are wrong. This is true. That was me actually doing that. People know. I don't know how to pronounce anything. But anyway, Daryl Williams, you have to go pick him up, right? I'm not like spending a bunch of fab. If I miss out on him, I miss out on him. But if he's there and he's cheap, he is someone to put on the back end of your roster, I think. Yeah, so I, d- I did Chris Harris's podcast today with waivers. He does them the day after you, and we're talking waivers. And he was the number two. And the truth is, is the number two, and it could be a bust of a waiver pickup because if both Damian and LaShawn McCoy are healthy – you're not really going to get much of anything from that. But you, to your point, you do need to go pick them up there. Obviously, you don't spend your number one waiver spot on them. Obviously, you don't go 40%, 50% of your budget. But if both LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams are out this week, you will legitimately have at least an RB2 on your hands because it's the Chiefs offense. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a top 10 guy, to tell you the truth. It wouldn't surprise me. The only concern I would have there is how much is he going to be used in the passing game, but he did see a decent amount of work. Darwin Thompson didn't even really get a ton until Daryl Williams, Daryl, Daryl, whatever. Williams, D. I can't even say D. Williams because we have Damian Williams. So in my uh, waiver wire pickups for the week, and it's less than 60% owned in ESPN, like that, Gallman, Hyde, Gore, Mostert, Chris Thompson, Daryl Williams. But those are... (laughs) Like the guys above him, I mean, Mostart is one thing because he's on by this week, but those are all guys you can actively use in your lineup theoretically because they play. Right. Uh, but it, he'd be the number one stash, at least at this point, with the upside of maybe McCoy and Williams don't go this week. And all of a sudden, like I said, we're looking at a top 10 guy. For sure. Can, can you like, do you, do you watch The Office, right? I did. I mean, I don't know so, because we, it's been we, off the air for 10 years. Well, that's, I mean, it's still on TBS probably a billion times a day or one of those channels. You can't come, you got to come up with a nickname for Williams. That's why we can distinguish them. Something related to the office and Daryl in the office. I will. Well, what if it's Darrell from the office and we're having the same problem that Michael Scott had? <laughs> uh, the, the warehouse manager. No, yeah. that's, too, that's, that's too much. We'll, we'll workshop this one because I have another nickname related thing coming up. You have to start one Bucks running back this week. Who would it be? Because I think it's Dare. Dare to dream in PPR formats. <sighs> I don't really want anything to do with it. So I'm picking up Ronald Jones because that's two out of three games where he's looked better. Although we do have the one down game. The biggest problem is the reason you're talking about Dare, the goon. Oh, what'd you call him, Stifler? The, the reason is, is because he's used in the passing game. This is a game that points to the passing game. Yes which would point to Peyton Barber over Ronald Jones. But also, if you look at third down usage, it's been mostly a Goombawale. Like, it's not even much of Peyton Barber. So, to your point, maybe he's the best play. I just want to avoid it altogether. Yeah, if some people are in circumstances where they have to pick one, I would go with Stifler in this regard. I think Justin Jackson has some value this week. I was, like, really sleeping on Tony Pollard because a lot of people asked me Tony Pollard questions a week ago against Miami. It's like, oh, the – 
the Cowboys are going to get up by so much. Pollard's going to have value. I was like, that's a really hard thing to bank on. Like people wanted to bet overs and props and they were all right. Pollard had a great game. He was utilized in that sense. And Justin Jackson is getting usage anyway, that he could probably end up with 10 touches in this game and 10 touches against the Dolphins just might be enough to be like a flex play. (laughs) Well, no, there's your super deep sleeper. Then is either Derek Water, Tremaine Pope. I don't know about that. <laughs> if you're in like a 16 team league. Yeah. You want to put a young Pope in the game then? Yeah, sure. Why, why not? But I think that Justin Jackson does have standalone value this week. I, I definitely think he can. And a PPR specifically. Uh, what else do we have here? If Singletary is back, you'd still play Gore, right? Cause I would, I wouldn't have him as high in the rankings, but I drop him down a bit, but he'd be my preferred play. Although I think Singletary is better. The bills obviously seem far more comfortable giving the ball to Frank Gore. That's far more comfortable. He's basically getting the like the vast majority of the carries. Singletary is getting mixed in the passing game, which you know some people will be like, "Well, he's facing the Patriots, is still going to want Gore. Gore is getting the touches, and he is getting a few in the passing game. It's not like he's completely left out. So, yeah, it's still Gore. Although if both are active against the Patriots, that's this is another Buck situation where, if possible, avoid. Uh, I mean, the Eagle situation, the Bear situation is basically the same as well. If you can avoid it at all costs, avoid it at all costs. That's just not as not a luxury a lot of people have. For the Eagles, Miles Sanders would be the superior play between the three. I guess so. Yeah, I I, I want to say yes, but with Jordan, you want to talk about red zone usage with Jordan Howard getting those carries? I mean, who who the hell knows? Uh, last one: Sony Michelle or Rex Burkhead? Uh, at this point. I think you got to go Rex Burkhead, even with James White back. This is the excitement for Rex Burkhead that people had last year when they were drafting him in the fifth round. <laughs> like, Sonny Michelle doesn't look good so far. Like, he legitimately looks like Todd Gurley, something's wrong. And maybe this is the game to get him on track and you know, everything's going to be fine after this week and he's a great buy low. I will say that I will buy low on him. I hate owning Patriots running backs, but what do I tell you every single year, Pat? If you're going to give me one for cheap or nothing – that's the one I'm always going to take. This year, in best balls, it was Rex Burkhead because he cost you zero. And that was the only one I was like, fine, I'll take that guy as my like 18th, 19th round pick. Right now, Sonny Michelle is not going to cost you a lot to go get from the owner. So he's a good flyer because if he goes off this week, if he scores a touchdown, that was always the appeal we had for Sonny Michelle was that he gets to around 1,000 yards, but because he's in this offense, he's scoring 10, 12, maybe 15 touchdowns. So again, something doesn't look right. And that's why as of today, I have more confidence in Burkhead, but him or I'm not going to put any money on him outscoring Sony Michelle. Yeah, I will switch them in the rankings then, at least for week four. And we'll wait and see because this feels like a game where Sony Michelle could score three touchdowns. But against this Bills defense, that might be like nine yards, like a classic Jerome Bettis type day. That was that day that was the at off season was why I ticked down even players defensive touch or offensive scoring touchdowns down from six to five and increased yardage just to offset like days like Jerome Bettis. You always have to rig it. So you're right. Don't you? No, it's not rig. It has nothing to do with being right. It's just, we had, we had the discussion that was voted on. It was just 1.2.1.25 per 10 yards instead of just one because the value is in the yards. There's not, I mean, if you think about it, one touchdown equals 60 yards doing all that work and you get outscored by somebody running a one yard touchdown in. Yeah. But the more we do stuff like that, 
And I, I see like crazy rules for fantasy all the time now. And it's usually coming from like the analytics people is that they want to turn this into fantasy baseball. But one of the allures of fantasy football is that there's random chance and it's fun. And you can be the guy who knows nothing and like still compete if you get lucky enough. Where in fantasy baseball, you're just dead last. So the more we move towards all of this stuff and equalizing no, no, no. what actually matters, the less fun it's actually going to be. No, it was just a small tweak. It's been that way for you. It's not like we're doing this every single year. And we actually haven't made rule changes the past four years. It was a small tweak just to give some more value back to the yard, similar to why PPR started in the first place to give some more value back to the wide receivers, just to give some more value back to the yards and especially so many timeshares these days. Wide receiver rankings, injury-wise. It looks like Alshon's going to play on Thursday night, so he's in with the calf injury. It looks like Edelman is going to play on Sunday. He has a rib injury, and Rashard Higgins should be back for the Browns. He has a knee injury. I have T.Y. Hilton is out. Deshaun Jackson is out. Gallup is out. Traquan out. Albert Wilson out. Alan Hearns, who got his bell rung. He got jacked up. If that was still a thing that they could say, that he got jacked <laughs> up. He would have been the poster boy for that so far this season. Uh, so I doubt he's playing. And Taylor Gabriel suffered a concussion on Monday night after catching three touchdowns. But I do not have him in at the moment. Out for sure. I have Tyreek Hill and A.J. Green. Again, Jets and 49ers are on by. Let's start with T.Y. Hilton and that discussion just for a second. Do you think that he misses this game? Or was he removed for precautionary reasons going into the game with the quad injury? Then they got up by so much, they were like, all right, take a seat, man. Yeah, I don't even really know at this point what to make of it because similar to the hamstring or calves, or it's just those low, it's the legs, it's the soft tissue leg injuries, which can linger for you know, multiple weeks if you don't just rest it and get it 100% and then always pop back up. As you mentioned, he went into the game with the injury. They pulled him and said he aggravated it. Whether or not that's aggravated is now it's right back to where it was or potentially worse. I don't feel great about it. I think the biggest thing is we're going to be, we're going to, I, I hate to say, it, but we're going to have to wait for Thursday. You're probably not going to find anything out on Wednesday. I would almost guarantee he doesn't practice on Wednesday. I think Thursday will be telling if he gets a limited on Friday, I would feel pensive about putting him in my lineup, even against Oakland. If he has nothing Thursday and limited Friday. Well, I'll be doing a show with Chris Meany after the injuries come out. The injury report comes out on that Friday. guy's a dick. Yeah, I know. Chris Meany. <laughs> What a dud. Although we both do shows with them. So what does that say about us? Chris Meany's legit. Follow at Chris Meany. But he's my Friday guest. We'll talk about how that affects the rankings more than he does play in the one o'clock game on Sunday. So it's not like he's in the Sunday night or even the afternoon slate. You'll have time to replace him if anything happens. Uh, so that comes, I think that show comes at around like 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. Not an ideal time to listen to podcasts, but I used to do the show at like 1 p.m. on Friday and then all this news would come out about injuries. I was like, you know what? for once i'd rather actually just have good information <laughs> rather than just guessing and being wrong all the time i mean i'm still wrong about it but at least the information is now correct uh, i i don't know i guess it works twofold if he plays i am playing him i think he's he's one of those guys especially at home he has a terrible defense that you're going to want to play even if he ends up only playing one half we saw that last week but if there's ever a game where they would just hold him out to get him back to full health, it does seem like at home against the Raiders is probably the spot. Not saying it's a guaranteed win for the Colts, but this is probably the game that be, that they'll be favored the most in for a while. Yeah, and that's a concern as well. Like I said, the, good, the best news is, is that it's a 1 o'clock, so we don't have to worry too much about it. So I think you're just going to have to wait and make sure that you have wide receiver depth come gun Sunday. Just and uh, To be your point for earlier is, yeah, I would almost consider if you're de if you're not that deep and you have to make a decision on Thursday night, like a Valdez Scantling or even an Alshon Jeffrey, if Alshon Jeffrey is ready for that game, I would roll those guys out there instead of waiting for Sunday. 
Yeah, I probably would as well, but those would be the only two from that game. Maybe Aguilar too, but like, I know he caught two nah. touchdowns, but Aguilar stinks, man. <laughs> Ag- Aguilar is surprisingly, as bad as it looked watching him drop those passes, he still caught eight of 12. It's just, it feels like it was so much worse. Yeah, it was really bizarre. I mean, I, I have him ranked at the moment as if, like, Elshon's not going to be 100%, so I would still have him ranked as the highest eagle. We'll get to him in a sec. But if we do stick with the Colts and there is no T.Y. Hilton, do you feel comfortable playing any of those guys, whether it be the Frenchman, Paris Cambé, or Zach Pascal, who caught touchdown last week, and he says, eh, you Americans, puh, I catch your touchdowns. I do not care no more. Or is it the adventures of Superman, Dean Kane? <laughs> Dion Kane, who plays the most half, or Chester Rogers, who you know is going to be in the mix now as well. Or do you just say, screw it, I'll play Eric Ebron and that's it? <laughs> Hold on, I'm checking right now because I want to make sure. I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure the biggest concern I have is I'm looking at the snap count. Yeah, the Paris Campbell snap count is still last week was only 45% behind you mentioned it. Dion Kane was number one, but T1 Hilton came out of that game. But they're all uh, past- like, like Dion Kane was like 53%, wasn't he? 56. Yeah, like so, so they're all just kind but, of subbing in and out all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was 40 snaps for him. Paris Campbell had 32. Pascal had 31. Chester Rogers had 29. And was there anybody even else on there? I was seeing if anybody else was even active. But no, that was it. it that's my biggest concern is who. So I, for that answer, for what you're saying, is you would have to assume Paris Campbell would see the biggest uptick because you kind of want somebody to at least stretch the field for you. And I think that if you're looking for the biggest play upside on a per catch basis, you just might as well roll the dice with Perry Campbell. Ah, Perry Campbell, you put them in. I don't have him very high in the rankings, to tell you the truth. I he I have Zach Pascal only because he's being targeted in the red zone a little bit more or about the same, and he's just coming off of a You know where he went to college? Where did he go to college? Hold on. If I can get it, get my hat. He what went to you, man. He went to ODU. He's a mighty monarch. He is a Marty Mark. I just, Fulgham needs to play. He needs to stop being inactive for the Lions. Yeah, like I have him behind, put it this way, as uh, I don't even think we have like graphics made for this low in the rankings, but I have him behind, <laughs> I have him behind Keyshawn Johnson, both Keyshawn Johnsons maybe, I don't know, but at least the one that plays for the Cardinals. Now that they've cut Michael Crabtree, he should see a big uptick in his snap count. So I still have Keyshawn Johnson ahead of him. I have like Cortland Sutton ahead of him, Deontay Johnson ahead of him, Danny Amendola ahead of him. Like he's not like, I just would prefer not to play any of these guys. <laughs> I would too, but you asked the question. I had yeah, to no. answer it. Yeah, no, I know. I'm with you, but like, I think that you, we can decide on who would be the one if you had to go target, but the preference would be none of them. No, definitely would be none of them would be the preference. Yeah. And maybe they're all from a Callowit because they're having, I mean, none it could of it. just be Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Yeah, I mean, Jack Doyle probably sees the biggest uptick. I mean, Ebron becomes useful again, and Doyle becomes semi-useful again. Yeah, I, I hate the fact that we're, like, getting excited for Eric Ebron. Yeah, hey, them's the breaks. But let's do this. Let's go to the top of the rankings. Like, there's not much discussion to really be had here. Keenan Allen, I have ranked as number one. DeAndre Hopkins, number two. Devontae Adams should rebound against the Eagles. If not, we got problems with yeah. him. Julio, Michael Thompson, Amari Cooper, Juju Tower Lockett against Arizona, Cooper Cup, and Odell Beckham Jr. You're certain all those guys. Sammy Watkins at number 11. Probably too high, but screw it. I'm going with him again anyway. Chris Godwin, <laughs> Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, Larry Fitz, Brendan Cooks, uh, Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk, and Adam Thielen. I want to have a nickname discussion here with Terry McLaurin because people are like upset that everyone's calling him Scary Terry and like they don't want to go with that. But then- why? 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know why, because that's Terry Rogier's nickname. Like, who the fuck cares about Terry Rogier? Like, Seriously? Me, yeah. Like, what the hell? Give me a break. Like, but, like, but I saw... People I think, watch basketball? I guess so. I mean, people do. I mean, I actually... I enjoy basketball as a fan, because I don't have to cover it. It's the one thing I can just kind of sit back and enjoy with a rooting interest. But... I don't care that that's, much that like Terry Rozier has a nickname that, you know, that's, I don't care until we get to the playoffs, honestly, for that one. Uh, so apparently scary Terry is too triggering for people, uh, probably old people, I'm guessing. But I saw Clay was tweeting about it that they because there's a McLaren team in F1 that you can call him F1, but his last name isn't McLaren. So that doesn't make any sense. No, that's it's McLaurin. Yeah, so. So instead of, saw, oh, that of, was, yeah, Scott Barrett was tweeting that too. Yeah, that doesn't Does, make any sense. Hold on, hold on. Hold, the, the people even know where Scary Terry comes from? It's from Rick and Morty. No, I know that, but that, I like saying for people out there, they're like, get the ones that are getting upset about it, like, it's probably who cares what they think anyway, because they probably don't even watch the show. Maybe, but if people are like, they don't want to reuse the Scary Terry nickname, I'm going to throw two options at you right, right now, all right? We can call him Cherry Terry or Terry Cherry because he's always on top. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or we can call him uh, McLaurin. Oh, what is it? McLaurin. Now I had it. Now now I got to. Oh, yeah. McLaurin McCall. Maybe we can find him with the best. Who's the most famous Lauren you can think of? Michaels? Uh-oh. McLaurin Michaels? <laughs> no. Do we have anything better than that? Uh, McLaurin Holly from Dumb and Dumber from dumb and dumber what was what was it wasn't one of the ones from uh the gilmore girls named lauren oh mclaurin graham there you go mclaurin graham i don't know i just the, the cherry one got me so so we can call him cherry terry there you go and every cherry time terry. every time he scores a touchdown he can be popping them cherries and everyone will love it and then get triggered on the now end. you went uh, now you went a little far for the fan base no. not your fan base yeah my fan base is all over that but uh, your fan base, probably not. Uh, so anyway, those are my, I prefer Scary Terry. I'm not going to lie to you because he's terrifying to defenders. But if he wanted to change nicknames, I think that's the better route to go. I think that's a fair one. That's a good one. Do you have a problem with me ranking him inside the top 20? Because I don't want to wait anymore. I mean, if, if I picked him up and I was like fringy about playing, I'd just play him. He's great. Well, the biggest concern was last week's matchup or last night's matchup. And it was just fine there. The, the truth about Terry McLaurin is this is exactly what a lot of us who were on him hoped for. But I, like a lot of people, thought it was going to take Dwayne Haskins being at quarterback for it to happen because he had the report from college and thought he was going to be buried on the depth chart, thought he was going to be behind Trey Quinn and behind Paul Richardson. And then Josh Doxson got cut, so that helped things. But it still looked initially before week one. We reports started to sprinkle in there that he still had some work to get the snaps. But week one started immediately. He's been treated as the number one wide receiver. This is why you see the talent. He's a matchup problem. He's a, he's a very talented wide receiver. There's a reason they took him in the third round. Don't listen to Booger McFarlane talking about, oh, they drafted him to be a gunner. Booger McFarlane's one of the stupidest people on TV. <laughs> Shots fired at the bug. But uh, I am I don't know if he's the, one of the stupidest. But, oh, uh, come on. He's making Jason Witten look good. I, Chris Harris, that's what he said on his pod today, too. He was out there saying, uh, what was it? Um, talent doesn't matter. It's all about effort. Yeah, okay. Then I would be starting in the NFL right now. You might be overestimating your own effort, Jake. No, the, the effort's there. The talent's not. Uh, so anyway. I told you, I get I get tunnel vision. That's why I was always on defense is because all of a sudden I go from like widescreen high def when I have the ball to I'm like in one of those little 13-inch old the black and white with the antenna boxes. I don't know why my vision like clouds. 
Um, but you're good with Scary Terry inside the top 20? Oh, absolutely. All right, so 21, I got Adam Thielen. Uh, so maybe Kirk Cousins has to throw in this game, so that would help out. He's been very efficient so far, Adam Thielen. We haven't seen that big game yet, uh, which means his floor is non-existent at this point. Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown, Tyrell, the Gazelle Williams. I threw Edelman in there. He seems like a matchup nightmare realistically for the Bills and like what they do well. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, Tyler Boyd, Allen Robinson, Cole, hard man. DJ Chark and Josh Gordon. I, I don't want to rank Gordon this highly, knowing that Tredavious White is going to be all over him, but he's just so damn good. You just throw him the ball, he goes up and gets it. Yeah, that's the only concern I would have, too, is the finger issue with him now, though. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. Unless I see reports, like, really negative towards that throughout the week, I'm good with playing him as a wide receiver three at this point. Why do you hate me, Cole Hardman? Do I hate him? Sis. Uh, no, just, that's what you're going to get. I'm letting you know right now. Look, what has he been the past two weeks? Like top 10? <laughs> so you're going to get, why do you hate him? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of alluded to this when I had the Sammy Watkins ranking at number 11. Like if you told me, it's almost like a Ram situation where it does feel like one of them is going to get left out. But the floor for Watkins at this point is still higher than both of Hardman and Robinson. Like it's it's one big play for Hardman. And yes, he has the speed to do that. But to bank on that every game is... I think that he's, I think for me, he's properly ranked because it factors in his upside along with his downside. Like, I'm not going to rank him number 12 because I wouldn't feel good about that. No. So here's the one thing I will say, and it can change by the week with how the Lions have been playing, but their secondary is better than we thought it would be. The one person you are concerned with is Darius Slay. So where I might, and I was all tongue in cheek with this and you only have them three spots apart from me or two spots in between them is I would lean Harmon over Robinson for one thing is because Slay's always going to stay outside. Marcus Robinson's always going to stay outside. Most of the time, you'll see Sammy Watkins working some of the slot and outside back and forth, but so does Hardman. So I think that avoiding Slay would make me lean slightly to Hardman over Robinson, but it's nitpicky, and that's the only reason. It's just the Slay factor. Well, Jake, you're the number one ranker in the business. I'll switch those two guys just for you because <laughs> I want to make myself look better. And then watch me be wrong because yeah, it's fair. the Chiefs. Yeah, well, listen, everyone can be wrong. That's fine. They're probably like I have them both inside the top thirty. They're both good plays. You just start all of them, and it, we we said it last week. You whoever's the disappointing one's still going to be a wide receiver three. Yeah, this is true. Uh, are you good with Chark over Didi? Because Didi is yes. Didi is actually a really good buy low right now. I think Didi is a great buy low if Nick Foles comes back. I even, mean, e even with Minchu walk back there, like he's still targeting him. Like. Hey. The connections it's, with Chark, though, you the, know the, how I the, feel the, about Chark. The connection is with Chark, Heart of Charkness, or the Chark Knight. I can't remember which one that we settled on with that. It's not Baby Chark, I'll tell you that much. But the targets are still there for Didi. The big play upside is still there for Didi. It's just like he he got called for offensive pass interference two weeks ago on like a 50-yard catch against the Texans. Like It's just little nitpicky things. Like It's almost close to being there for him, and it's not like he's been horrible. He hasn't been good, but he also hasn't been horrible. Like, if you used him, he had 10 points. Well, he had 10 points. That's not what you expected, but it's not like he's putting up zeros either. And I do think that the upside is still there for him. Uh, the upside is there to buy low, but I would take Chark for the long haul. And if I only could pick one and I had to drop DD for Chark, I would. And even so for this week, because credit to Mike Tagliere who I had on my podcast and called the Marquez Valdez Scantling for DFS purposes, because if you look at Denver, the one area where they struggle is outside, not Kareem Jackson is one of the best slot corners in the league. Well, guess what? That's DD Westbrook. Chris Harris is very good in his own right, but he if talking about DJ Chark, 
probably shouldn't see Chris Harris the entire time because he sticks to a side of the field. And all you got to do is take advantage of, um, how do you say his last? Hold on, I'm going to find it. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Yadam? Yadam? I don't even know how to say it. Anyway, he's been the one that's exploited, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling took advantage of that last week. Yeah, but Didi's not playing exclusively in the slot either. Like, they're playing a lot of, like, trips out wide. He's you know, switching up with, like, even Chris Conley in the slot a little bit. He'll be primarily in the slot, but it's not like he won't see the outside to try to exploit a mismatch. It, that's certainly true, but I mean, Didi so far on the season, uh, I'm looking right now, slot 88% of the time. Mm-hmm. So he's not always there. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot. That's essentially most of the, that's as, that's as close as you can get, I think, to like majority of the time. I mean, the Velda Scantling thing, it's good co. He had a, no, a no, super no, no. Long Hold on. It was a free play uh, bump. <laughs> there's one person. There's the two. So it's 89% Chester Rogers and then DD Westbrook and Randall Cobb tied for second at 88%. He's, well, all the, he's in the slot all the time. Well, in my face then. I just <laughs> thought I was right, but apparently I was not. You and your fucking hey. numbers, Jake. Uh, hey, hey, look, I didn't think it was that high either, to be admitted. <laughs> I'm not going to admit I didn't think it was that high. Um, anyway, I still like DD as a buy low, regardless. Uh, maybe in this yes. matchup, maybe I have him overrated, but I. Minshew just completes passes, man. He has a very high completion percentage. I eventually... has sexy shirts that are buttoned up to his navel and then sexy mustaches. Yeah, he's basically John C. Riley from Boogie Nights. That's true. Or wait, what was the one where he was like the baseball player? Oh, I oh, for love of the game? No, it was like some regular show that was on for a while that John C. Riley was on. John C. Riley was on a TV show where he played a baseball player? I'm pretty sure. No, he was in Kevin Costner's for Love of the Game, and they had to like cut around no, the fact no, no, that he can't no. throw. Continue. I'm going to look this up while we're talking. All right. Um, so that entire 31 to 40 range at receiver. Uh, where do I got here? I got Aguilar at 31, Curtis Samuel, one spot over DJ Moore. I think they're fine plays. Didi, Valdez, Scantling, Emmanuel Sanders, the bees versus the New England Patriots. <laughs> Give them a taste of their own medicine with short little white guys who are real quick. Philip Dorsett, Calvin Ridley, and DK Metcalf. I actually really like Metcalf this week, but everything is just fueling through Lockett. We know how bad that Arizona has been against tight ends that and they do want to run the ball so much that it feels like one guy gets left out, but it's just one big play with him and he could definitely connect. Yeah. Well, and when you're into this range, that's kind of similar to the Paris Campbell argument. If you're going to just shoot for a pick in that area is why you're ever going to pick like the Randall Cobbs or the world to just go for the upside of that, that big play hits. Yeah. So 41 to 50 got Elshon. He comes in at 41. Uh, I don't just don't trust the health in this matchup all that much at all, to be perfectly honest with you. And the Packers defense is good. So there's that. John Brown, if there's always the saying that like the Patriots take away the one thing that you do really well, I would think that's John Brown for the Bills. You would think so, unless it's maybe just Josh Allen running the ball. <laughs> but no. maybe receiver. I mean, receiver wise, it doesn't get any worse of a matchup than it does for John Brown. I mean, yeah. that's the truth. If, Ste- if Stephon Gilmore is on him for even the majority of the game, just forget about it. That's why I actually ranked Beasley ahead of Brown this week. That's fair. So after that, like Marv. John Ross, Stefan Diggs and Robert Woods are down here. If you want to get contrarian, I'll talk about this on the DraftKings show. Those are the two guys this week because no one is playing them. I don't want to play them, but they're going to come up with like 0% ownership. Who, John Ross? Yeah. No, uh, no, I was going to say, well, I mean, John Ross, you could probably throw into that bucket as well, but Diggs and Robert Woods. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had somebody, a couple people, is it time to drop Diggs, is it time <laughs> to drop Woods? People are completely off both of them. Like in regular leagues at DFS, forget about it. They're, like you said, their ownership is probably zero. 
Uh, I actually have more problems with Diggs than I do with Woods. Woods just feels like he's sort of the left, the, the, the man left out in an offense that's still scoring points. That's still fine news. Eventually he'll get his. He's just going to be completely unreliable, and he does appear to be the most unreliable of the three receivers with the Rams. With Diggs, like we said, if the Vikings win, Kirk Cousins is just straight up not throwing the ball. So his floor is zero. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm legitimately concerned with Diggs as well. Uh, Robert Woods will have a few games. And let me be honest with you, like the, my concern going into the season with Robert Woods was that he was going to be the odd man out with Cooper Cup healthy. But I still thought it would be productive enough to be in that wide receiver three range. With this offense, and because people still want to make excuses for Jared Goff all the time, and like, I can't believe he'll be fine. He's going to bounce back, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying that for the fact that not like, look at me, I'm right. I'm saying that for the fact that this is where we talk about perception and trades all the time is the perception is that Jared Goff in this offense and Sean McVay is still one of the best unstoppable if everything's clicking. So if Robert Woods has one good game, you're going to be able to sell him a lot more than if Stefan Diggs has one good game. Cause Stefan Diggs, the perception is so much lower is that's, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, potentially so, but I think that's the reason not to cut Diggs at the same time is that he'll carry enough name value with at least one member of your league that you will be able to flip him for something. If he does have that good game, you're like, Oh, Stefan Diggs is back. Yeah. I drafted him in the fourth round. Like, you know, give, give me scary Terry for him or, or Terry cherry yeah, or whatever. I still- I, listen, I'm just saying that that is possible for, you can, there's always a sucker in every league. So there that, is. So I'm just saying, like, you can, well, trade value shouldn't be determined no, no. by where people went in the draft. It is to some, shouldn't be determined no, no. by where people went in the draft. It is to some people. And if you try to trade Stefan Diggs, who was highly drafted for a guy you picked up for nothing off the waiver wire, someone might make that trade with you, is, is all I'm saying. He has enough name cachet that you can still prey on people because of it. So that, that's what my question back to you was going to be is, so let's say Diggs and Woods both have 100 yards and a touchdown this week. Do you think Diggs would get you more return than Woods? Because I think it's Woods at this point. That's, I'm legitimately asking your opinion. Uh, I, don't, I think it depends on the person, to be perfectly honest. Well, with you. obviously. I would, I, would say, I would say it's very similar. Consensus. I would say it's very similar. I'd say it's about – you could probably sell people on, like you said, the offense that Woods is in. And I do think that Woods is probably like, – if you were to trade for one of them, I think Woods is probably the better buy. I think he has more of just overall value. So maybe it is Robert Woods. But I think that Diggs's name value still does hold water with people. Okay. By the way, I found out what I was thinking of. It was because I was thinking of the wrong name. I was thinking of Danny McBride. The, the, oh, you're thinking the, of East Adam Down. Yeah. Have you watched the the Righteous Gemstones yet? Danny McBride's new show? No, I haven't. Is it any good? That's all right. I like Danny McBride. I guess if you didn't like Danny McBride, you probably wouldn't like it. But if you like... Yeah, I'm, I'm meh on him. So probably, probably not. Yeah, all right. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you don't often have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn's the best place to post your jobs. I'm a business owner. When I'm looking to hire someone, I like to use LinkedIn and look at that experience. They don't need 20 years of experience or even five years of experience, but experience in the particular thing that I'm looking for. You'd be shocked how often people don't list the specifics of what they're up to. And when people do, it makes them very hireable. LinkedIn job screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. 
LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and connects you with candidates who match your business perfectly. That's how LinkedIn can make sure your job post gets in front of the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other insights that help LinkedIn paint a better picture of potential candidates. It's no wonder great candidates are hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash mayo. Again, that's linkedin.com slash mayo to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Quarterbacks. The quarterman out there. Pat, you have Patrick Mahomes ranked at number one. What if he doesn't finish at number one? My question to you, because I actually have like people like personally hitting me up, like people I know in my life being like, I have Dak Prescott. Should I start him over Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> and all I said was, you have Patrick Mahomes. Just play Pat. Don't like, but it's raining. But, like, just play Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be fine. Just always start <laughs> him and you'll be good. Can, can I sidebar and forget about the question that you just asked? And because the question you just asked is there's no answer. It's just Mahomes. End of story. Doesn't need an explanation. Talk about the weather real quick because I tweeted out something from the article that I tweeted out last year to continue to remind everybody every single year is weather is not as big as a factor as they think it is unless the winds start to hit 25 miles an hour it's torrential rain or the temperature drops under 35. Actually, for the easiness of remembering as 15, 25, 35, if the winds are at 15, start to hesitate, maybe make a coin flip call that you're trying to make and lean to the other side. If it's 25, then you start to downgrade the passing game. If it's 35 degrees or lower, that's when you start to downgrade the passing game as well. And in none of those circumstances, still would I bench Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. It could be 20 degrees, torrential snow, and I'm still starting Patrick Mahomes. So Cam Newton is out with his foot injury. Uh, Drew Brees is out with his thumb injury. They're now reporting that it could be a Liz Frank for Cam Newton, which might take him out for the year, uh, if that's yeah. actually the case. It went from foot sprain to Liz Frank real quick after Kyle Allen had one good game. Spoiler <laughs> alert, Kyle Allen's not actually all that good. No, hey, whoa, come on. You don't like all these talk about, remember? Remember when Tony Romo? And remember when that situation happened and the job and he never got it back? And blah, like, Really? I don't think that Kyle Allen is bad, but he doesn't get to play the Cardinals every week. No, what was the other? Oh, they brought they brought in the Tom they brought in the Tom Brady Drew Bledsoe comparison too. I was like, come on. So I, I have Mahomes at number one. I got Lamar at number two. Russell Wilson at number three against said Cardinals team. This is going to be a good look for Russell Wilson this week. And anyone playing the Cardinals, frankly, because they run so many plays at such a fast pace. It's good for opposing defenses against them because more time to sack Kyler Murray. And it just gives you more plays on offense. So Russell Wilson, number three, and he's been really good. Dak, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, and Jared Goff at number 10 against Tampa. <laughs> Uh, those those would be my top ten. Uh, Daniel Jones is too high. Too high? Yeah, we're not high enough. <laughs> I can't. There's no way on earth I can put him in the top ten after one game against Tampa Bay. I know it's the Redskins, but still, oof, that's. Uh, frankly, this ranking has more to do with the rest of the options this week that I don't love the matchups all that much. Like you have Philip Rivers, who just they they can't score realistically. Like that's, you that's... can you can basically pencil in for you know, two sixty and two touchdowns. That's great, but at least with with uh, with Daniel Jones, that you might get a rushing touchdown out of it. Who knows? I mean, I'd go ahead. I'd still start Carson Wentz on Thursday night over him. Man, I th that's with a banged up Elshon against a good defense. I don't love that. That's fair. 
And I don't even care that it's the Bills defense. I'm still starting Tom Brady over Daniel Jones before I screw around with that. Uh, and I'd start Daniel Jones this week for sure. And hey, look, that's fine. I'm just, I can't go that far. Like the, the one that I would, if you wanted to drop Daniel Jones amongst my rankings, I would put him after Kyle Allen. That's probably as low as I would go because I love Josh Allen. You know that. But Patriots D, uh, that just seems like a recipe for nine interceptions. It, it does. And honestly, between the two, the, the Kyle Allen against the Texans defense, which has actually been pretty poor, very yeah. poor actually so far this year, it, that's one uh, I'd even probably go that far. Although Daniel Jones looks like he might run more than – he might be up there with like the Aaron Rodgers in his prime running where it's like a three, 400-yard rushing yard season. Yeah, potentially so. I mean, he probably won't run as much as like peak Josh Allen does, but I think that he has enough Josh Allen in him that he's not as good. He's not good enough with progressions yet that if the blitz does come at him or he gets under pressure, he's just going to take off. And that's just free fantasy points. And let's be fair about it. Like, it's tough to overcome your own opinions of players. And I'm saying that too, honestly. Like, I am not a Daniel Jones fan, not from what I saw in college. I do believe, and I've said this before, I do believe the Giants roster is the best setup for him if Saquon Barkley's out there because he is good in the short to intermediate game. He's not very good downfield. He makes some poor decisions still. That's like I said, I mentioned the interception. Some of the incompletions were his fault. The rushing upside does help him a little bit. I Again, I noticed the flaws maybe because that's a slanted view. I'll admit, like it's, it's tough sometimes to sit there as an analyst and watch years and years of college football and just pull away after one game. So that's why I'm probably more tentative than most. Yeah, I, and I'm where I don't watch college football. I just look at what their potential fantasy asset is to me. And if he does have legs, just look inside the top 10 of quarterbacks. What do these guys have in common? Unless you're Mahomes, who could run. just He just throws touchdowns every time he drops back. They're all basically running quarterbacks. That's true. And, yeah, that's just fair. I think that, like the Colin Allen conversation is kind of more fun. Anyway, I, I listen. I, I like Kyle Allen this week. You're right about the Texans' defense. They've been giving up a bunch of fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. The big thing is, is they're going to get pressure on Kyle Allen, and he might crumble. I don't know. JJ Watt's not good anymore. All of a sudden, I don't know about that. I mean, they did. He is. I mean, Philip Rivers. Been... Philip Rivers so rarely gets sacked, and they dropped him five times last week. Uh, Philip Rivers these days, that offensive line was one of the biggest concerns with the Chargers. So it's st it still is, but even through the first few weeks, no one was getting to him because he gets the ball out so quickly. But that wasn't a problem for the Texans. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that they're going to get to. I think they're going to rattle Kyle Allen a little bit. If that's the case, that I just I don't know how he's going to hold up to that. And that's certainly fair. I just said it's a conversation to have with Daniel Jones. And it's a situation where Arizona secondary, let's not forget, is awful. That maybe that made him look really good. Oh, I mean, that can make everybody look good, but so the Buccaneers secondary. Sure, but it's not like, I would say that Washington has a far worse defense than the Texans do. Mm, yeah, okay. Because They did make Trubisky look good. <laughs> what's that? Yeah, they did make Trubisky look good. And Josh Norman may not be good. Well, Josh Norman's a couple of years past his prime, just like Janoris Jenkins as he got just destroyed last week. Yeah, there is no better move if you're a DB than have like one or two really good years and then just talk a bunch of shit and then people will think you're really good well past the point where you're actually good because no one actually watches people on defense uh, as it turns out besides like scouts and real analysts that you can just like, remember Namdi Asamoah for all those years? Like people thought he was a shutdown corner like seven years after he was actually a shutdown corner. And that's, you're right about that. We talk about this a lot. It's like corners have probably, 
as limited of a lifespan as running backs do for their peak years. Yeah, that's why I'd be hesitant. Listen, I think Jalen Ramsey is the best shutdown corner in the league, but I'd be hesitant to give up the two first-round picks for him. He's already established I, himself as that guy, absolutely. and maybe he can keep it going. I don't think that he gets bad all of a sudden, but if you ask him to play one-on-one two years from now, maybe he just doesn't have the same juice anymore. No, I don't know what they used to bet. It might be Gilmore at this point. Yeah. I, I think schematically the Patriots defense allows Gilmore to Helps. potentially be better. But if you're just saying I need one guy to shut down the best receiver in the league, I'd take my shot with Jalen Ramsey. And, hey, that's certainly fair. But your, your initial point was the fact that I'm not giving up two first for it. And I don't, I don't think anybody should. I don't think any. I think the Jags are finding out that no one is. Yeah. Can we Although, talk about tight ends? Any more quarterbacks? Like, do you have any love for like, <laughs> like Case Keenum against the Giants? Eh. Are they going to start Haskins? Uh, I don't know if they. I mean, the t- time would be now. It's as you saw, it's the road game, and it's a road game against a terrible defense, just like the Giants did with Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's acceptable if nothing else. Like Minshew, like I just hate all these matchups so much. Like a lot, maybe Matt Ryan at home against Tennessee just has a bounce back week, but I just don't like what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, that's it looks certainly fair. Let's talk tight ends. All right, let's talk tight ends. <laughs> I'm done with quarterbacks. Uh, I have Virgil Green as playing for the moment. Uh, Vance McDonald, I actually had in, but I'm going to move him out because I saw a report that his arm is in a sling. So he's probably not going to play this week. So Vance McDonald, Eleanor Higby, and Jordan Reed, I have listed as out in the rankings for the moment. So I will extract Vance McDonald. He was only like number 19 anyway. Uh, Travis Kelsey, number one. It's funny. Because, like, he hasn't had that really huge game so far, but he's had a good game every game that once he starts scoring touchdowns, he's just, he's going to run away with being the best tight end. I have Ingram at number two, who could really challenge him as the number one guy. And frankly, he might be the only one. Ertz, Darren Waller, hardly newer. Mark Andrews, your buddy. Will Disley, Walt Disley, Greg Olson, (laughs) Delaney Walker, Eric Ebron, and Austin Hooper. It is a very uninspiring top 10 once you take out George Kittle from this mix. It definitely is. And you're looking at just as the tight ends seem to have a resurgence this year. And it still is because there are more options than there were last year. It's still not that deep. And you still get to the point where as soon as you get to 10, 11, 12, it becomes not nauseating, but the stomach turning at least. Like Hawkinson's been too. Oh, there's that's too high. I, I, it might be, but he's being used in the red zone all the time. He's had like three touchdowns called back the last two weeks. And that's fair, but here's the problem with it. Who are, like it, who? Who of these losers are you starting over him? Vernon Davis. Really? I would definitely. St- yes, because Jordan Reed, when Vernon Davis is like against the Giants, please, did, I will start every did, tight end that's did, didn't startable. We, didn't we do this last year with Vernon Davis without Jordan Reed against the Giants? He scored zero points. And like I'll take that risk because most weeks Jordan Reed or you know, Vernon Davis is the right call with no Jordan Reed, no matter who they're playing. Like just in the Giants this year, that defense, there's no way. Here's the problem with Hawkinson. He's not running routes. And when he runs routes, the majority of them are in the flats. Like I understand he's got some of the red zone opportunities, but are we going to take three targets and hope that one of them are in the red zone? Yes. At this point with the rest of the names down there. Yes. Especially because no, that's why I would take take Vernon Davis. This is a situation this week is basically I'm willing to give him one last shot here as a fringe start because I think the touchdown no. expectancy is high against the Chiefs because he's going to have to run routes against the Chiefs because they're going to be down by like 20 points. 
No, I would I would roll out as much as he didn't even have a blow up game against the Giants. I'd still roll out OJ Howard. I would still roll out Vance McDonald. I'm not doing the Hawkinson. I don't care if I'm wrong because the last two games, like it's it's the one blow up from week one that everybody's going gaga over. When the fact is, is he's a rookie tight end that's asked to block too much and asked to run piss poor routes too much. I'm not going to try and hope he gets a touchdown red zone opportunity. Like you want to, I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying the expectation for guys like Trey Burton and Vernon Davis or what? Like three. I didn't mention Trey Burton. No, I'm I'm just Trey Burton. I'm throwing Trey Burton into the Vernon Davis bucket because they're both guys. They're going to have four catches for 40 yards. And then hopefully they score a touchdown. At least if Hawkinson ends up with the red zone target, then I'm going to take that shot against a defense that should allow them this week. And against Cincinnati, so should Vance McDonald. Yeah, Vance McDonald's, like I said, he's probably not going to play with a shoulder injury. I didn't know it was that bad. They, like I said, I just saw a tweet come out from a okay. Pittsburgh reporter. He's still in a sling. All right. Well, so now I'm down to two. I'll, I'll take O.J. Howard and Vernon Davis over Hawkinson. You can have Hawkinson. All right. Boom. Do I get two to one on that? Because I have one guy against <laughs> your two. Oh, but it evens out because it's the Canadian exchange. No, that's like uh, one and a half then. How about that? If we want to play a Canadian exchange. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Cause I, uh, at least Mark Andrews finally had a bad week after we made that bet. Yeah, that was uh, seven targets. He still they for all those people out there when I tweeted out like this is LaShawn McCoy is why you don't pay pay attention to pregame warm-up news unless it's injury like related as in whether or not they'll start. Like who cares who's getting the first team reps in the pregame? Because that report pissed off everybody and deservedly so. And I feel bad for that person because I don't know if he still has a job as of today. The people were like, well, what about Mark Andrews? No, the Mark Andrews report, first of all, was that he's going to be fine for the game, and he still saw seven targets. It just was an off week for him. Uh, any love for just randos here towards the bottom, whether it be, it looks like Dallas. Randos? Goddard, it looks like Dallas Goddard's going to play on Thursday night. Demetrius Harris is filling in for Njoku. Dawson Knox is a monster, by the way, on the bills. Yeah, but he's facing the Patriots and he's a rookie. Look yes. at this snap. Here's the thing with Dawson Knox is I don't even mind him as a dice roll until Tyler Croft comes back. Tyler Croft coming back. He's the veteran. And I think that's going to hurt Dawson Knox, even if he's playing well, which he has been. Oh, when Tomb Raider gets back on the field. Yes, when Tomb Raider gets back on the field. Noah, fan, uh, Noah Fant's actually good. They need to get rid of Hearman at some point. Well, so I was going to bring that up is there's two guys, both rookies, that are playing better, and the other one is Irv Smith because I tweeted this out. Did you know Kyle Rudolph the past two weeks has zero, and the fact that Irv Smith in one game has more than Kyle Rudolph does since week one? Really? Yeah, more fantasy points, more everything. Well, Kyle Rudolph didn't have maybe it was Irv Smith who had the who to, who had that screen pass last week. I thought it was was that Irv Smith. I thought it was Kyle Rudolph when I was watching the game. No, it was Irv Smith. Kyle Rudolph's not even inside the top forty at tight end. One ca- on. one catch for eleven yards. No, I think that was that screen pass that went to the one yard line, and then Delvin Cook rushed it in. Yeah, he's not even inside the top fifty. Kyle Rudolph is fifty four on the year. All right, let's drop down. Well, I, what I have him at twenty six. It's apparently doubly too high. Yeah, apparently that's not good at all. Zero for zero, three catches for nine, and then one for 11. Irv, big Irv. That's what I I called him that too. There you go. Now you're on the same page as me. Commissioner Irv from The Wire. We'll get that in there. Huh. Yeah, I'm not playing him anyway, so I guess it doesn't really matter. No, I'm not playing him, but that was like a future stash if you want to see a team that was ready to get rid of Kyle Rudolph this offseason, which is the weirdest thing ever, and then they gave him a contract. That's being the weird part. I don't. I think at some point they have to say 
enough of Kyle Rudolph. I think I would take Knox ahead of Big Irv, and I would take Noah yeah. Fant definitely ahead of Big Irv. Of course. I was just throwing out more names for this conversation. No, fair enough. You don't want to play any of these guys, realistically. No. <laughs> uh, defenses. Let's close this out here. I have the Chargers at number one, the Rams at number two, the Bears yep. at number three, the Pats, the Colts, the Texans, Seattle, Baltimore, Minnesota, Green Bay, and then Carolina uh, coming in against the Texans because Deshaun Watson will do stupid things, as we saw against the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a great streaming week either because mo- the majority of these defenses are over 60% owned. Yeah. The best is Indy. Seattle and, and Se- Pittsburgh. Seattle, Indy, and the Panthers are probably the three that are available that you can use. Baltimore is actually available because a bunch of people dropped them. Uh, dropped them because of the Chiefs. Yeah. I think no. I think the Steelers are up there too because the Steelers are getting the the Bengals at home. I think I'd rather play Jacksonville against Joe Flacco even on the road than Andy Dalton. Yeah, but they're not wildly available. They're not. No. no. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Seattle. Seattle seems like they're going to rack up a bunch of sacks here. It's just everyone playing Kyler Murray gets a bunch of sacks. They do. You just have to worry about also giving up thirty-five points. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. No, not this week. I'm just saying that's the counter argument. <laughs> I guess so. But like, if you're going to tell me that Kyler Murray gets sacked six times, and even if they put up 35 points, at least I know he's throwing a bunch in that game. So you still have the opportunity for fumbles for an interception. Sixes. Yeah, that it would just kind of cancel each other out if they did somehow, unless you play in one of those leagues where it's like minus 15 if you give up more than 35 points. And most leagues are what, like minus four? It's not that big of a deal. It's all relative. Yeah, it is. But like, if we're talking about like standard scoring as it pertains to defense, it's most leagues, I wouldn't say even most leagues, some leagues do jack it up uh, like we do in our home league. But if you just play like rando ESPN league where it's standard scoring, what is it? I think it is minus four for anything over 35 points. Yeah, it caps out at some point. Yeah. That was also, I, I threw out it because I know you hate the show. That was a friends reference. Oh yeah, don't love, don't love friends. I'm going to wear, uh, I got to see if my t-shirt is here next week. I'm going to wear my Frines t-shirt for you. You can do that all you want. Actually, you talked about like the office being on TBS all the time. I, I'm still just a sucker for a good sign. I watched a Seinfeld last night. I watched Frasier all the time too. So for some no. reason. Here's, here's my problem with that is that everybody's like, oh, Friends needs a laugh track to tell you when to laugh. Studio audience, by the way, just amplified. Big Bang Theory needs a laugh track to tell you when to laugh. Same thing, studio audience, amplified. I say amplified. Seinfeld had a laugh track, everybody. Yeah, but Seinfeld, almost like Frasier, they're just better shows. They're, they're better written. They're funnier shows. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind if you like Seinfeld. My, my only point in that was you can't downplay a show just because it has a laugh track. Well, I mean, you. For, I I disagree with the Big Bang Theory thing, but shows had laugh tracks until like the early two thousands. Like every show did. Right. So you can't downplay it. That's my my point. But, being but for the I big keep... but the Big Bang Theory is actively going up against other shows that don't have laugh tracks. That the fact that it still has a laugh track is not all inspired. No, no, no. It's an amplified studio audience. It's a studio audience that's amplified. It's a laugh track. It's telling you when to laugh. Have you ever it's... seen? Have you ever? It's combined. Have you ever seen when they put the laugh track on Arrested Development? It is hysterical. Yeah, I've seen. I've also seen the ones where they pull it out of shows too. Yeah, like Arrested Development is written with no laugh track in mind because the jokes just fly at you, and so the entire thing is like them trying to tell jokes, but like laughter drowning them out. And that's yeah. like, and that's the beat of the Big Bang Theory. It just and Friends is set up exactly the same way. Seinfeld and Frasier aren't set up that way. That it's a very basic formula of the script. It's set 